fortune leaders for tomorrow. We got a little rap going there. <laughs> wow, that was awesome. Hey, Richard, I, I didn't get the text, but man, we were in the flow tonight. I like it, man. <laughs> you're, you're just too cool. Come on, real men wear white pants. And they even wear light blue shirts. <laughs> and in the right light, I look just like an angel. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> well, good evening, everyone. How many of you were here last night? Come on, awesome. Oh, Pastor Terry. Pastor Terry's in the house again. Give him a great big hand. Amen. Wow. And your awesome, beautiful wife, Debbie, your better half. She keeps you in line. I know that. Man, it's welcome. And Pastor Lachelle, it's great to have you with us tonight. And uh, it's just been, you got some friends. I'm sorry, guys, but we're so honored to have three brothers here from Living Waters. Let's give it up for them tonight. Amen. I believe this is a pivotal year. I said that right. This is a pivotal Save that five times real fast. A pivotal year. <laughs> Just stop. This is a strategic year. This is a strategic year in the life of City Church 2014. What happened on Sunday night with the commission of the deacons was nothing short, from my perspective, from my perspective as a senior pastor, the founding pastor of this church, it was of biblical proportions. I felt like the book of Acts was being opened. Acts chapter 6, as the apostles commissioned and they ordained the deacons, the Bible said that when they did that, the next thing it says, it says, and the church grew rapidly. And I just believe that there is a strengthening. There's a supernatural settling in this church that God is doing something. He is putting us in a position that we can bring the compassion of Christ. We can bring the love of Jesus. We can bring the truth of of His Word to this city, to this community like we never have in the past. I believe that with all my heart. And I believe this awakening conference was significant. I believe the word that Pastor Terry gave last night was a prophetic word. People talk about prophecy and there are I believe in prophecy. I believe in personal prophecy. We see it in the Bible, but I also believe that much preaching, much declarative preaching about what God is going to do in the future is prophetic. And I believe Pastor Terry brought a prophetic word to this church last night. And if you weren't here, you need to go on we have a YouTube channel. You can watch it on our YouTube channel. You can download the podcast. You can go to our website. But I would encourage you to listen to that word. There were some things that he's spoken to our spirit and spoken to our heart about our future. And I believe it's very, very important that we get that. And this group, uh, this group here tonight, we get it because we're the engine. We're the seekers. We're the ones going after God. You came out on a Sunday night and a Monday night and a Tuesday night. God is really happy with you. Because the Bible says that if we seek Him, we find Him. We don't find Him with a remote control in our hand and a can of Budweiser by our side. You're not finding Jesus that way. It doesn't work that way. I'm not saying He's not with you, but let me tell you, man, when you set your heart to pursue the kingdom of God, the Bible says all these things shall be added unto you. And I believe this is a strategic year in the history of the life of this church. 
We've had the best attendance. We had the best year of financial blessing last year. 2014, we've gone up every single week, the first four-week attendance of the year. Come on, give God a big hand. It usually, in the past, it's, it's gone. The first week of January is good, you know, good attendance. And then the next week's down a little bit. And the third week's down a little bit. And the next week, you know, back to normal. Exactly the opposite is happening at City Church. And I also believe that a significant part of that is what God has done through our next generation interns. The next generation interns here at City Church is going to be what I believe the catalyst the catalyst that propels City Church into dimension that we've never experienced. I believe that with all my heart. The young, uh, young women and young men that are being prepared for ministry and what God is doing in their life. I would put them up. These young, these young people that are going to be finishing engine, their first year of engine, NG intern this coming year, they are equipped. They are prepared. I would put them up any one year here. I'd put them up any up against any Bible college graduate from Southeastern University. I'm telling you. Because not only are they getting the theological in their study, but they're also getting the practical. They're running ministry, and they're at a perfect, opportune time in the life of this church. And much of the growth that we've experienced is because we've seen a supernatural surge of focus on ministry at our church. And you guys are part of it. And I'm so honored that you would come out tonight. I, I want to just take a moment here. We have a very special guest, a man of God. A man of God who at the age of 12 felt the call to begin to preach. And they actually called him the boy preacher. The boy preacher growing up in the National, uh, the National Baptist Church in New York. And, and God spoke to his heart. He began to preach. And at the age of 17, he received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. When he was 19 years of age, he took his first pastorate. It was a National Baptist Church running 30 people. And within two years, they were running over 900 people. Uh, this young man, I, I thought he was older than he was. He carries himself with a grace. He carries himself with a, a sense of understanding who his calling is in God. He, he has a great, great touch of God in his life. And you were here last night. You heard him share. Pastor Glenn said 15 minutes. Pastor Glenn, that's a dangerous thing to give a preacher a microphone and tell him. I mean, 15 seconds. 15 seconds. <laughs> But you heard a touch last night. You could feel it. You could feel the grace of God upon his life for this generation. And what I love about Pastor, uh, this young pastor, what I love about him is his willingness to cross-pollinate. He's been able to break out of the box of his culture, and he's been able to go into places that many people in his own fellowship, in his own circle, wouldn't go. But he's been able to stretch the boundaries and the borders of what God has done in his life. And he's pressing. He's literally forging the next generation. And as I've met these young men that are traveling with him tonight, I believe, I believe that in our fellowship, Pastor Terry and my fellowship, God is raising up young men like this. This young man tonight has a beautiful wife. Her name is Lachelle. She's right down here. Can you stand up, Miss Lachelle? Can, come on, can we give her a great big hand tonight? They have four children, Maria, Andrea, Nicholas, and Alexandria. And uh, they've been married 13 years. God's got a great work in store for them. And I want you to welcome tonight the great big city church. Welcome, Pastor Adrian Blue. Come on, give him a great big welcome tonight. Amen. 
as Peter said on the Mount of Transfiguration, it is good for us to be here. It's good for us to be here in the presence of God, in the timing of God, in the season of God for our life. Let me establish protocol before we get forth and go forth and minister tonight. How many of you have been blessed so far in this revival? All right, I think I was talking to the church down the street around the corner. How many of you have been blessed so far in this revival? It is very difficult to have an encounter with God and leave the same as you came. So I question, are we really having an encounter or are we going through an emotion? And this revival thus far has been an encounter. Somebody said amen somewhere. Let's, uh, as we get ready to establish the program, first and foremost, we will not celebrate the angels of this house. The men and women of God who God has placed here to give great leadership. How I define this place is an awesome experience in an awesome church led by awesome, uh, awesome staff, further led by an awesome leader. Let's give God praise for you, this awesome church. Come on. Awesome. To pastors Eugene and Laura, I am thankful and grateful for this opportunity to share tonight during this revival. Uh, and we celebrate and thank you for the opportunity of allowing us to continue to experience God. Let's give God praise for our pastors. Come on. Oh, you can do better than that. I'm going to teach you a secret right quick. We're going to get the protocol out the way, then we're going to minister the Word of God. Anytime somebody celebrates your, your leaders, you ought to almost lose your mind. The reason why? Because they're up losing their mind for you. I'm trying to help somebody here. So we're going to try this one more time. You can stand on your feet. You can lift up your hands. You can yell. It doesn't matter. Let's give God some praise for Pastor. There we go. we almost there. I know what you're saying. I got it. Amen. We thank God for Pastor Eugene and Pastor Laura. And to those of you who are Bible deep, you know, you're saying, no, don't take all that. We only celebrate God and not people. The Bible says give double honor to the elders who rule well. And so we're just celebrating them tonight. And I cannot do that without celebrating my men of God and my woman of God who I'm so grateful for the opportunity to serve on the journey of building the kingdom with. Can you give God praise, double honor, for the elders of Ruel, for my pastors, Pastor Terry and Pastor Debbie. Come on. That's my man of God and my woman of God. Amen. Thank you. Thank you for the journey. I appreciate you. I appreciate you. I appreciate you. Amen. All right. Now that I celebrated my man and woman of God, let me now uplift my woman in God. I am thankful to be called her husband. She's not only a woman of faith, a mother to my children. She was a pastor before I met her, pastoring her own church. We were the youngest in the city of Buffalo. And when God gave me the revelation that she would be my wife, it scared me. Not because I couldn't handle it. 
please understand, I'm not God's best, but I know I'm not his worst. You get that when you get home about 4 o'clock. I promise you. You'll get it when you get home. But I'm thankful for a woman who loves God more than she loves me. So she takes care of me. My wife, I love you. Thank God for you being here. Amen. And she knows how to lay hands on me when I need it. I don't get that twisted either. I know how to lay hands back too. Glory be to God. But I love her, the Lord, and I'm grateful to have her by my side. And, and to all of you, my father, children, to the staff of this church, and I newly appointed deacons, God bless you. If you're a deacon, lift your hands. Every, every deacon in the house, thank you for your service. 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 Amen. Oh, what a joy it is to celebrate and to serve in the house of God. Now, lastly, but not least, as we establish in protocol, can we thank God for the person sitting to the right of you and the left of you? Come on, give God praise for my father's child. My father's child. Come on. Come on. Thank God for them. If you have your Bibles, lift it before the Lord. Every person who has their Bibles tonight, there's a word from God, and we're going to share it tonight. Uh, now, because of time, and I'm going to be very uh, quick and not loquacious tonight, but God has been speaking to me specifically for this ministry. Uh, I believe God is strategically placed. You are a part of this church and this church and this community for something incredible that's about to happen. Oh, gosh, I wish I had about three people who understood what I'm saying. Just tap your neighbor for a moment and say, neighbor, we're right on time. Come on. We're right on time. Grab your Bibles, if you will. First Chronicles. We're going to dwell inside of First Chronicles. First Chronicles, the fourth chapter. First Chronicles, the fourth chapter. When you have it, I want you to signify by saying amen. If you don't have it, somebody shout, wait up. I'm waiting. First Chronicles, the fourth chapter. And we're going to dwell around the ninth verse. First Chronicles, the fourth chapter. And dwell around the ninth verse. And this is what the Word of God says. And Jabez was more honorable than his brethren. And his mother called him Jabez, saying, Because I bore him in sorrow. Verse 10. And Jabez called on the God of Israel, saying, Oh, that you will bless me indeed. Enlarge my territory, that your hand may be with me, and that you will keep me from evil. And watch this. After the request, we see the conclusion of the matter, where the Lord responds, and where the Scripture responds, and God granted his request. I'm going to talk today from the subject, access granted. I declare greater things in 2014. Every head bow, every eye closed as we're praying. Father, make preaching and teaching easy tonight. We have given you your time. Now allow time for your word to dissect and disseminate inside of us. That from what we were to that which we're going to be. 
Father, I'm grateful for the opportunity. Now see through my eyes, hear through my ears, speak through my lips, that you be glorified in heaven, and that your people may be edified on earth. I come against everything that is not of you, and pray that everything that is in you to be in us, as a result of us being in this place together. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. And all of God's children said, thank God. Amen. Access granted. I am convinced tonight that 95% of the drama we face in our present is a direct result of some of the issues we've encountered in our past. And until we're able to take and make a change, history, no doubt, will repeat itself in our lives. For we must understand that this year, God has given you something that was not given to everybody. He's given you the opportunity to raise your eyes in 2014, no matter how difficult 13 was. And because of that revelation, I've come to the place of rebuking the spirit of averageness. I'm convinced tonight that God never called his children to averageness. That's what the Bible says in the book of Acts, the first chapter, in the eighth verse. After the Holy Ghost come upon you, you shall have power. In essence, what that scripture says is God has the ability to put a super on your natural, causing you to do supernatural things. And I want to say here tonight that if you are not doing supernatural things, maybe you need to go back and connect to the power. Do I have a witness in here? Because it is the power that allows allow us to effect change. It is the power that causes us to live a life that others want to be like us. Instead of people saying, when you go to church, they should be saying, oh, what must I do to be saved? What must I do to have the peace you have in spite of the circumstances you're in? It is with this that we realize that God gives us the opportunity of knowing that if you settle where you are in life, it is only because you have no expectation of the greater that is to come. Matter of fact, can you prophesy with me to somebody next to you and tell them what's coming is better than what's been? Come on, tell, tell somebody close to you. Because you must understand this, uh, that in this year, in this year, I'm determined in 2014, somebody shout this year. I, you got to talk back to me. Somebody shout this year. I'm determined in 2014 that in 2013, that was the last time I cried. That was the last time I settled for less. That was the last time I just made ends meet. For some of us that make ends meet, this year God going to make ends connect. If there's ever was a time that you can get excited about the things of God, you ought to get excited that if you made it through that, you can make it through this. And no matter what the devil throws on your way right now, tap your neighbor and say, I'm going to make it. I'm going to make it. I didn't wake up today just to be here. I woke up today because he has purpose for my life. Watch this. Because, beloved, you got to see this in the text. Because until you and I embrace what shall be, we'll always settle for what is. And there's nothing but nothing more frustrating in life than realizing that there's greater because of the cross. But when you look around, you're still stuck in the averageness of now. I don't even like to be around people who don't challenge me to go greater. 
Matter of fact, in 2014, I grabbed my phone and I started deleting numbers. <laughs> I can't get no help in here. I started deleting numbers because I don't need one folk calling me who either going to pour into me or allow me to pour into them. I'm trying to help somebody here. I don't want nobody wasting my time. I don't want nobody frustrating me anymore. Come on, you got to learn to understand that when God brings somebody in your life, it is always to bring a tr- addition, not attraction, subtraction. Subtraction comes from the enemy. I'm saying here, the devil will always bring the takers in your life. You ever been with somebody who just zapped your anointing? I know some of you don't think that's possible, but be around some of the people you're around. You can be just feeling good. You walk in a room or they walk in a room and... And here it is. God is getting us, getting us frustrated. Well, what is not him? That anything that becomes him, we run out. How many of you are ready to run after the things of God? Well, it starts with your expectation because expectation is so important. Can I tell you something here about life? Here's a universal principle that's going to bless you. You will get only what you expect to get and only have what you intend to have. Oh, I just left all the... I'm about to fax some amens from Alpharetta, Georgia or New York somewhere. God is bringing us to the place, and you're going to see the text in a minute, whereby you realize it, life does not have to be the way you've lived it. But it could become better. Watch the text. Because in the text we see something very significant. Let's discuss and deal with what the Bible says about this text here. We see that the Bible introduces a very interesting person, a person by the name of Jabez. Somebody say Jabez. Somebody say Jabez. The interesting thing about Jabez in, in First Chronicles, the fourth chapter and the ninth verse, is the Bible says, And Jabez was more honorable than his brethren, but his mother named him Jabez because she bore him in sorrow. I want you to note the apparent contradiction in the text. In one hand, the Bible calls him more honorable, but in the other hand, the Bible calls him sorrowful. In essence, every time somebody called his name, they said, Troublemaker. Can't get no help in here. Every time somebody called his name, they say sorrowful. Why is that important? Because he was birthed or born in a circumstance that had nothing to do with him. Trying to help somebody here. you got to realize that what you've been through over the last 12 years of your life had nothing to do with you, but everything to do with God making you. That in 2013, when you awaken to who you are in God, you will not settle for no less. Can I tell you something here? When I married my wife, my wife said, don't get it twisted now. I'm not a trophy. I'm an award. you got to work for this. She told me that you got to get to the point of realizing that there's more value in me than you just being by my side. And I'm here to tell you here today. You are more than enough for God to use you. You are more than enough for God to take you to levels that you cannot even comprehend. You're more than enough. And as long as we come to the place of feeling as if this is as good as it gets, we stop chasing after the one that is able. So watch what the enemy does. The enemy would try to convince you that there's nothing next. And watch this, brother, this is going to bless you in the black because we're going to bless you. There is nothing more frustrating than living as if there's nothing next. 
have nothing to live for. Anybody ever been there before? Felt as if your money's funny, your change strange, your friends are few. Things that can go wrong does go wrong. Well, God, if you're with me, then why am I going through this? And I want to tell you, because God is with you, you're going through it. Because he's preparing you for something that you're not ready to handle now. I can't get no help in here. He's getting you to the place where you're able to understand that every time he put his hand on you, he is shaping and forming you from the inside out. And the thing about being changed on the inside is you can't see it on the outside to one day. Anybody ever had a one-day experience? One day you woke up and said, you know what? This job ain't for me. One day you woke up and you say that this no-good Negro by my side got to go. One day you woke up and say, you know what? I'm not about being broke. One day everything starts to change. And it's that time that we begin to see what started to happen in the life of Jabez. Because the Bible have already, in so many ways, pronounced his future based upon what he was called. Please understand that there is power in a name. All right, I'm, I'm about to fax some amens from Living Water Fellowship. There is power in a name. How do you know this? Matter of fact, let me give you point number one. If you're taking notes, please take notes tonight uh, because I don't want you to miss this. Uh, what you're constantly called is what you eventually become. My first name is Adrian. My middle name is Lemire. Adrian, I just like to say this because I just like it. Adrian is Greek. It means famous. Lemire derives from the word Lamar, which means rich. So if you don't call my name, you ought to be saying rich and famous. Now, what does that have to do with God? Nothing. I just wanted to say. Watch the text. Because Jabez, verse number 9, the Bible says, And he was called Jabez because his mother bore him in sorrow. Now, you'll note here that the interesting thing about a name is you've got to get to the place of realizing that we will become what we're constantly called. How do you know your name is Lachelle? How do you know your name is Lenny? How do you know? Because when you were born, somebody kept calling you it over and over and over and over again, and then it stuck. Well, the problem is, that there is power in the name. It's power in the name. And let me just give you the, the quick, right quick. Uh, when your name is messed up, it's good to know that I can call upon the name of Jesus. I can call upon the name in which every knee shall bow, every tongue shall confess. I can call upon the name that is able to keep me from falling. I can't get no help in here. How many people know that there is power in a name? Watch this. Ah, oh, sit down. You're scaring the folk around you. Watch this here. Because the power in the name is significant for this reason. According to the original Jews, if you do what is called a cultural criticism, where you criticize the culture of the day, Jewish people will only name their child only two years after it's been born. Not immediately like we do in today's culture. The reason why is, and they would call their child son or daughter until they saw the character of the child before they named it. They did that because they understood that there is power in the name. And this is why this is so insignificant, because Jabez was faced with a life of suffering that had nothing to do with him. It had nothing to do with him, but everything to do with what his mother went through. Okay, you don't believe me? Watch the text. And he was called Jabez because his mother what? Bore him in sorrow. That means... 
because his mother birthed him through a difficult time of her life, she put that on him. And he was born into something that he should not have been, but it was just a set of circumstances life gave him. And I want to talk to somebody here who feel as though that you tight and the floor dropping from under you and you at the end of your rope. Can I tell you something here? Don't give up. Grab the end of your rope, tie a knot, and hang there. Because if God said he's going to make a way, he's going to bring you out. He's going to use your life as a testimony. He's going to bring you to a greater place of operation. Well, when people look at you, they're going to know it had nothing to do with your name but the person behind you that was greater than the problem in front of you. What's the test? The name is very significant. That's why it's important. And you ought to thank God. Like I thank God all the time uh, for my man and woman of God. You got to thank God for your man and woman of God. Because here's point number two. It was the mother's role to give nourishment, but the father's role to give identity. It was the mother's role, it's according to the culture, to give nourishment and the father's role to give identity. So a, a child that grows up in a one-parent household may have nourishment but no identity. So now you've got boys who think they're girls. Testing, one, two, three. This thing one. But then you've got people who have identity but no nourishment. They know who they are, but they can't connect with nobody, so they're not a leader. But watch the text. Because we see here, and this is my second point, mothers give uh, 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 nourishment while the fathers give identity. And because of this, you've got to realize that, that the significance of having a pastor and, 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 and a, a man and a woman as pastors, if you've got one who can tell you who you are, even when things hurt, get up, boy, get up, girl, go for it. And you've got a mother who can nourish you during those difficult times when we need it. We see the same character inside of God. In this sense, God is known as uh, uh, the Father, Elohim, which shows the grand, almighty God. But then there's a theological term whereby he's also known as El Shaddai, which means the mighty breasted one. That is the identity part of God, Elohim. And there is El Shaddai, the nourishing aspect of God. Both of them coming together to give you completion. So I want to talk to somebody who grew up in a one-parent household like I did. Where the father wasn't there, but mama was there. Well, because my mama brought me to God. I can't get a help in here. I was able to understand my identity every time I learned to look in the mirror. Anybody got a mirror that looked greater than a mirror in your home? When you learn how to look into the Word of God and see who you're supposed to be, baby, you stop settling for things that you have nothing to deal with. this? Because if we're going to awaken tonight, awakening first starts with us. Awakening in our conscience to understand that if it wasn't God's will for you to be here, you would have never crossed it over to 2014, let alone to a Tuesday to be at a revival tonight. He would have never given you the next day. So watch the text. Because Jabez, even in the midst of his circumstance, even in the midst of his situation, he knew that he didn't want to accept life as it came. Can I give you something of this? And it's not in my notes, so you get this for free. Watch this. Life becomes what you make it. Selah. 
And I know some of us don't like that because we like to give responsibility or putting the responsibility off of somebody else. I messed up because my mama didn't love me. I messed up because my father wasn't there. Can I tell you something here? No matter who was not there, when you make up your mind that you're going to be something or you're going to do something or something's going to happen, how many people know that God will orchestrate everything you need in your life to bring back to a change? Hear what I'm saying here? And so we see inside the text, Jabez, Jabez, uh, he, 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 something happens from verse 9 to verse 10. In verse 9, we see him being identified as a troublemaker. Every time somebody called his name, they was calling his condition. Anybody ever felt like that before? So what? You had a checkered pass. Come on, talk back to me. So what? You used to jump from person to person to person to person. So what? You was a little kleptomaniac. I.E. used to take stuff that wasn't yours. Matter of fact, I'm watching my stuff right now. So what? That, that was your situation. The moment you have an encounter with God is the moment everything changes. Hear what I'm saying here? You cannot stay the same if you're with God. And that's why you've got to learn. And uh, here's a side note, too, that even the, the woman with the issue of blood, when she grabbed the hip of Jesus' garment just to be made whole. Now, some theologians will call it a hymn, but really it was his tallit. It was his prayer uh, shawl that had tassels on the end. And when the woman uh, could not get to Jesus because of all the people around, she grabbed the hem of his garment. And what is that saying to us? That when you can't get to the Lord, you better connect the leaders who know how to do it for you. I can get a help in here. I can get a help in here. You know why I celebrate my wife so much? Because when I feel like I can't pray, baby, I feel like I can't pray. Come on, let's go before the Lord. And she started interceding on my behalf, which allowed the, the anointing to keep on flowing. You'll get it in a moment. When you can tap into those who are connected to God, you can never miss Him, even when you're not popping on all cylinders. I know not this church. Maybe the church down the street. But we all have times when you wake up and you just don't feel safe. Honey, we got to the wrong church. So Jabez had a change in his life. Watch this. Verse number 9. He's called by his condition. But verse number 10, he does something so contradictive to what he was called. The Bible says in verse number 10, he then made a shift got a revelation, and did something different. Turn to somebody close to you and say, DSD. Do something different. If you were really going to awaken inside of this time, you've got to learn how to do something different. Don't always come to church doing the same thing. Instead of sitting on the right side, sit on the left side sometimes. Instead of sitting in the back, sit in the front. I can get a help in here. Instead of going with the average or the ordinary, do something different. Why? When you start to do something different, then that's when God can begin to move you in the fluidness of His Spirit. Contrary to popular belief, brother in the back with a checkered shirt, this won't bless you. God, uh, all throughout the Word of God, we never see God standing still. He's always moving. In Genesis, the Bible says, and the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the water. When Bartimaeus uh, was on the highway, so highway inside begging, and Jesus came into the city, he was constantly moving, so much so that when Bartimaeus, who was standing still, called out to him, Jesus said, get up and come here. 
God is not into you being stagnant. And can I tell you something prophetically? You know why this is called city church? Because God ordained that this be the church of the city. That there are times that God is going to raise you up in this up and coming year where everything that needs a change will change in you. You unsatisfied by what's happening? Oh, that ain't nothing but the chains falling off. That ain't nothing but things. I can't get a help in here. Went right over your head. I know. Two, three, four. I used to be slow too. God has put you where you are for such a time as this because this is not an ordinary church. It is what Pastor Terry talked about on yesterday. It is a church that is awakened. It is a church that is realizing its purpose in equipping people to go out, not to sit in. Can I tell you something here? You know why you're about to have ten services on a Sunday? Because when you finish being becoming all that God called you to be, you're not going to be able to stay in here with the new people you're bringing in. I only got about ten people who believe that right now. Only about ten people who say, oh, uh oh, oh. And so there was a change in the text. Let me hurry up. I only got about 10 minutes left. How many people will give me 10 minutes? Can I see your hands? How many people will give me 10 minutes? 10, 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, 70, 80, 90. Okay, 90 minutes. Here we go. Uh, the, the, the text shows us that between verse number 9 and verse number 10, Jabez got a revelation. He got a revelation, or in essence, he awoken from where he was. You've got to thank God for pastors that challenge us not to do church as usual. Matter of fact, let me, help, let me help you here. Today, church as usual is unacceptable. Church as usual is only for church folk. A real church is for the unchurch. You get that when you get home. How else can the unchurch get to know him unless you become a church that's designed for them? And this is a season and a time that God says, I'm not raising up buildings without first raising up people. So Jacob's got a revelation. Get to the text. Watch this. I'm almost done. In verse number 10, he does something so significant. He does something that was out of character to him. In spite of his circumstances. No, no, no. He, he, he does something different because he shifts his focus from what's around him to what's before him. Now, I know some of you, and I feel this in the Holy Spirit, some of you are saying, now, Pastor, you said mothers give nourishment, fathers give identity. Uh, I don't get that. Uh, that's wrong. And I'm going to show you how right that is. See, you, if you note here, and, and, and I've got to give this to you tonight, and please follow me, please follow me. Before I can minister to you, you've got to get this in your spirit. Uh, God, well, you've got to get this. Uh, see, in verses number 1 through 8, we see a litany of different fathers identifying sons. We see, and this father begat that son, and that father begat that son, and that father begat that son. And then there's an interruption in the rhythm of scriptural flow, whereby we see the story of Jabez being instituted in verse 9, and when it's instituted, it's all jumbled up. Because his mama didn't name him according to who he was. She named him according to his, her circumstances. And some of us here tonight are being identified based upon family situations. But Jabez said, not for me, not now, 
I got a revelation to awaken. So he chose us. And this brings me to point number three. Now, I used to be Baptist, so we got three points in the close. Count down. Point number three. You've got to learn to make your request as big as God, but as specific as your zip code. The reason why God ain't doing some things in your life, because some of the stuff you're asking for, God is saying you can do. Lord, I want to get rich. Go do it. This is America. You don't need God to get rich. Oh, Lord. Yeah, but those are Bibles. There's things you're asking for God that the reason why he doesn't answer is because it's not big enough. You've got to ask for some things that's so big that when God do it, only he gets the glory. How many people know understanding here that there are some things in your life that only God wants the glory from? God wants the glory to take a church uh, that, that some people don't even feel need to be here and to transform a whole city where people start thinking again about the things of God and how to get together the way heaven is going to be. Not white or black, but together. Only God can do that. Request is too small. I ask God for big stuff. I got, I ask God for so so uh, so much stuff so big that literally, if it happened, I'd be shocked myself. You ever had one of those anointings in your life? Oh, he did it. Oh, oh. Not that I didn't believe him, but I just didn't expect for it to really happen. All right, and you're looking at me like I'm funny. Can I be real here today? Some of you right now in your walk with your past, you just didn't believe that God can change you. But look at what God has done inside of you today. Today on a Tuesday night, instead of being a happy hour in a club, you up inside of the house of God with a praise on your lips that you've got to get out. You are serious about moving further in the things of God where you used to know where you could have been and how you used to be. But God, anybody here know that God is getting ready to take you higher where you can get more of this spirit? Somebody shout, but God. My wife is getting, she's giving me cues. She's saying, too much. I'm going to be with them tonight. Somebody got to bring me home. Somebody got to bring me home. Somebody. So the text changes and moves them. And Jabez refused to accept. Life as it was. So he did something significant. He taught us a principle that you've got to embrace tonight. God is not against you asking for things. He cannot be Jehovah Jireh unless he's going to provide. The word Jehovah Jireh means my provider. It's where we get the word provision. Can I talk about provision tonight? Somebody say provision. I said somebody shout provision. Somebody shout provision. The word provision comes from two words, etymology now. It comes from the word pro, which means before, and the word, the Latin word video, where we get the English word video, which means to see. And so what the word is saying here is God has already seen and provided before the need ever arose. Can you get a help in here? 
God says, I already got everything you need. I'm just waiting for you to get ready to handle it. Tap your neighbor and say, neighbor, when I can handle it, he's going to give me everything I've been asking for. Can you handle it? Everybody can't handle a church the size of Pastor Eugene and Pastor Terry. They can't handle it. They'll, they'll build the church and think it's them. But not this. Not here. Not now. Verse number 10. I'm done. I only got two scriptures. The scripture says, Jabez called on the God of Israel. Watch this. When he called on the God of Israel, this is what he said. Now, number one, he put his focus on the God of Israel. Because he knew that his mother of him had it all wrong. You get that when you get home. You got to learn that when life doesn't turn out the way you know it should be, maybe you got to switch who you're talking to. Maybe you got to change positions of who you're listening to. So he calls upon the gods of Israel and he gives us an example. Watch what he says here. He calls the God of Israel and he says, Oh! That you will bless me indeed. Now, the word bless here comes from the, the, the Hebrew word, which means Barak. And I'm not talking about the president. Barak means to bless and cloak. It is when God covers you with a blessing, and that blessing becomes twofold. It is a blessing for you to be a blessing to somebody else. You get it in a minute. Jabez said, I'm so messed up that God, when you change me, make me so good that I can start blessing folk who was waiting for me to quit. Who people who said, I want to make it this far. Make me so good that, Lord, I can turn around and give to others. Because how many people know, if God really bless you, it's not all for you. God gives you to be a blessing to somebody else. It's never for you. All for him. Prime example, the book of Psalms open up, oh, excuse me, uh, yeah, Psalms, the book of Psalms open up around the 23rd division because Psalms have no chapters, only divisions. And this is what it says here. Uh, uh, it talks about how he leadeth me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. That means what God gets ready to do with you have nothing to do with you, but everything to do with the fact that you carry his name. I can get a help in here. You know why my wife got to look fine? Because she's carrying my name. Can't get a help in here. You know why you got to make it through what you're going through right now? Because you're carrying his name. Anybody here know that you can't give up and give in right where you are? You're carrying the name of God, which means that you've been designed to win, not to fail. You've been designed to make it, not to give up. You've been designed to go higher, not to go down. For his name. So, the text says, he prayed to the God of Israel. Emphasis put the God of Israel, because at that time there was many gods. There was many people to make petitions to. But he made a petition to the one who had the ability to answer the need. You know, every time there's an altar call, you ought to come running when it's your time. Because you're running to the one that is able to meet and answer your need. Now unto him that is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we can ask and or according to the 
power that rests in us. So while you're waiting for the deliverer, the deliverer says, I've already came with deliverance. What are you waiting for? Get up and get it now. It's already present. So he put his focus, man of God, on the God of Israel. But not only did he put his focus on the God of Israel, he prays. Now I'm a man of prayer. I believe prayer is very important. No prayer, no power. Little prayer, little power. Much prayer, much power. I love prayer. I love sometimes getting away and getting so caught up in prayer that you lose track of time. So my wife come and remind me that I was supposed to take out the garbage and I just... She didn't know that I knew about the garbage. I just chose not to. I'm saying this right now over the mic, so I'm speaking this out loud so she's hearing me. Pastor, I'll do better next time. I'll do better next time. I'll do. Watch this here. Last point. Uh, he, he calls the kind of God of Israel, and this is what he says. He gives specifics to what he wants. He says, oh, that you will bless me indeed. Bless me to be a blessing to others. Then he says, after you bless me indeed, because you're going to bless me, and it's not going to be enough just for me, enlarge my territory in the blessing. Now, the reason why he asked him to enlarge his territory, because Jabez got a revelation of who the God of Israel was. That the God of Israel ain't going to give you a car just for you to come to church by yourself. But he's going to give you a car where you have a passenger in, in the back seat to bring others. Can get a help in here. He don't give you no money just for you. He don't give you enough that any time you're requested to give a seed, you have no problem giving. And you know why people have problems when it comes to an offering? Because you broke. And can I tell you something here? Never again possess. I ain't got no money. I'm broke. Why? Because you're not broke. You're only in between blessings. And anything that's broken, God, God has the ability to fix. So he says this, and my time is running out. He says, oh, that you bless me indeed. And he says, enlarge my territory. But he says, put your hand upon me. Now, the significant thing about God putting his hand upon you is anytime God touches you, he leaves an imprint. We are clay. Clay has the uncanny ability to take the image of whatever's touching it. That's why you got to be careful who you're connected to. Because you connect to the wrong thing, you have the wrong imprint on your DNA. Can get a help in here? I can get no help in here. I've learned in 2013 that in 2014, I'm going to carry a bandaid around with me. And so when people start tripping, I'm going to give them a bandaid. When they ask why, I'm going to say, because you've just been cut. i got to keep going where God wants me to be. Are you hearing me tonight? I'm breaking everything as an indication of your breakthrough that's getting ready to happen. So watch the text. He says, enlarge my territory. Yeah. He says, put your hand upon me. Watch the text. Keep me from evil. The Bible does not say that he asks, Lord, keep evil from me. But he says, put your hand upon me, and then keep me from evil. Because there is a place in your life where once God really bless you, sometimes you start to remember how good it was. Can't get a help in here. 
Oh, I'm in a righteous church tonight. I thought I was talking to some people who came out of some stuff. And so the scripture says, keep me from evil, that whenever the temptation comes upon me to abandon the commandments of God, and I get ready to step out, you're pulling me right back. <laughs> Is there anybody here? Tonight, who are thankful to God that even when you wanted to give up, you couldn't. Even when you wanted to throw in the towel, you wouldn't. Even though you wanted to let it go, God says, hold on. Why? I'm not done with you yet. Keep me from evil. We're talking about awakening. And the Bible says after the, the request was completed, and, which is a conjunction, in my literary English measures in here. And it's a conjunction. It ties together one part of speech to the next. So anytime you see an and, you know that there's something to follow. So he prayed and God. How many of you would like to live in a season that when you pray and God? I can't get a help in here. When you show up and God. Is there anybody here tonight who want to end God anointing on your life? That when folk think that you're going to be done, when people are counting you out, all you can say is, and God. Anybody here tonight don't mind yelling to the heavens, and God did exactly what I asked him to, because he's a God that will not fail. And God granted his Then the Bible goes back on in verse number 11 to say, and this father begat that son. And that father begat that son. In essence, the Lord is showing us, and I'm getting ready to close right now. The Lord is showing us tonight that no matter how messed up your circumstance was, Jose, God has the ability to interrupt a season of your life to change, transform, Renew, regenerate, that when you get back to the regular schedule, you're different than you ever was. My testimony is not one who wasn't there, but one who made it through to make it in. That God can bring me over for the greater of my future. Can I talk to somebody here? The Bible says that the end of a thing is greater than the beginning of a thing. You know why you ought to get excited? Because if you thought that this is it, God says you ain't seen nothing yet. Because when I get with you, I'm going to give you access granted to everything that's ready for your life. Stand to your feet. If I was in the Baptist church, right about there would have been a hoop. Is there anybody here who don't get mind giving God the glory? But I'm in Sanford tonight. And you're on assignment today. The Lord told me that this awakening is going to be more of the process of transitioning of a grape. Interesting thing about a grape is this. Grapes are limited in their ability. Grapes grow in the vine all by themselves. You can't put grapes in the cake. You can't put grapes in your pocket. You can break grapes on cookies. But once that grape is being processed in the sun, 
it becomes a raisin. And if you ever open up a box of raisins, raisins are stuck to each other like this. Maybe only after God gets through with you will you begin to realize that he's trying to process you will you stop being that great and you become the raisins. Because it's the raisin that has greater purpose in culinary treats than the grape. Some of us today, we've been stuck as a raisin, as a grape. We've been saying, no, God, I'm good. I'm filled with everything I need. And God says, no, I'm going to process you for what you need to be. Tonight, it was prophetic for me to be here. Only because anytime God's getting ready to do something different in your life, he sends a prophet in the house. Because prophecy gives direction while the word gives stability. And when you've got direction while you're waiting on that to come to pass, you're able to stand on the word. The devil cannot deceive you. If you're here tonight and you realize that you were just like Jabez, you had your future already pronounced. It was done. You was messed up, came from a messed up home, a messed up family, a messed up culture. But God says, I'm calling you out for change today. If you're here tonight and you're under the sound of my voice, don't miss this moment that God is calling you to awaken. See, Jabez couldn't stay the same because he got a revelation of greater. And God is saying to you, if you leave out of here the same way you came in, it was only because you have no expectation of more. The reason why I keep falling in love with God, just when I think I'm re- reaching my ceiling, He making my floor. And God is saying to you tonight that it's time for you to awaken out of the average or the ordinary. Sanford don't need another ordinary church. They don't need another place to gather. They need a people who will be a church, who will go out and change and come back different than it was. And I came over an hour to speak to you tonight. To say, if you're not where you need to be, if you're not processed as the raisin, would you stuck as the grape? I need you to run down here to this altar right now. The Lord has to touch you. Come on. Come on. If you're not saved, you, let's hear it. I'm going to make two appeals. The first thing I want to say to you, if you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, you need to come. You need to come because there's a reason at this time you heard this word. And if that's you, I want you to come and follow on my, my, my right, your left. If you don't know Jesus, I want to pray with you tonight. I want to pray with you tonight that you can know the joy of waking up looking for more. If you're not saved tonight and you need to be saved, that means you accept Jesus Christ as your Savior. I want you to come to this side. I want you to come to this side if you're here tonight. If you're here tonight and you're saying, I I need more. I'm tired of being where I was. I want a fresh move of God's Spirit. I want you to come over here. Tonight, the Lord has given you access to granted. He's given you the ability to know he's already opened the door for more. He 
just want to know, were you believing for it to obtain it? As you get here at this altar, the only thing I want you to do is start, watch this here, closing the door to your past through your conversation. This is you talking to God. Don't worry about the person to your right or your left. They're going to talk about you anyway. So let them talk about you making the change than what you were. If you're here tonight on this side, just want you to right now make your confession unto the Lord. Lord, I can't, I can't go in 2014 the same way I was in 2013. I need more. Over here. Those of you who don't know the Lord Jesus Christ and you want to be saved, if you're in this place tonight, you want to accept Jesus because there can be no change without Christ, I want you to come on this side. Come on. Come on. The counselors are getting ready. They're getting ready to work with you. I see our deacons getting in place and those who are assisting. Come on, if you're here tonight, don't you let this moment pass you by. God says greater things in 2014. Will you believe me for it? Will you believe me for it? Yeah. Not another church experience. Well, not another church service, but a, an experience of God. That is beyond the average or the ordinary. If you're here tonight, guess what? Before I can lay hands on you, you have to give it up on your own. Because it's not until you give it up can you have it all. Worship team, if you can start worshiping very low. Please, no one leaving without the benediction. It's a time of change. If you're here today at this altar, come on, just make your connection with the Father. Come on, come on, come on, come on, come on.